Welcome to 2019. Oh. This is coming out on Monday. Will that be 2019? No, it's the day before 2019. Happy Christmas Eve, everybody. No, (laughs) (laughs) happy New New Year's Year's Eve. Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing. I'm Scott. And I'm Macy. This is the podcast where we try to inspire you to live a less cynical and more curious life. And that is our tagline that we're going to try to say more often. There the it is. No small thing. Do you like it? Do it you make sense? Let us know. We believe there's no small thing. So we're pretty curious folks. Less cynical, more curious. Welcome and to we're the conversation. Part of the solution, hopefully, in your life. If that's something you want, less cynicism, more curiosity. Here's there our conversation. There it is. What uh, is our episode tonight? This is episode 29. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. Episode 29. And this is a, a, a second installment of an episode topic we've done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, our third episode was titled Age and Wisdom. And so tonight is Age and Wisdom 2. Part our second two. time having yes. the conversation, yes. just chit-chatting about age and wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> now, these titles are really interesting. I just would like everybody to appreciate a title like this and a concept like this kind of came out of nowhere. We wrote mm-hmm. it randomly in notes as as like a free-form free form train of thought, yeah. just dreaming and and i don't i probably put in there not even knowing what i was talking about age and wisdom just just there and write another idea write another idea write another idea and then we got to i don't know how we decided for our third episode (laughs) to do something called age and wisdom (laughs) but again we've mentioned this if you go back through our episodes we have a topic that we did called voice these which is strange what is that what go is back that? and listen to that maybe not actually <laughs> <laughs> it was a hectic episode we called it because yeah, we're trying we to try and we're trying I mean, to pick topics it's a decent episode yeah yeah so this one was one that was a wild topic we feel like we have more to say a and we're going to say. to say some more tonight and we're excited to say it mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so so we're gonna get to age and wisdom in a second but before we're going to talk about reviews just a quick no small thing update it's no small thing update yeah here it comes here it comes it's oh, welcome to 2019 oh this is coming out on monday will that be 2019 no it's the day before well, happy christmas eve everybody no <laughs> happy <laughs> new year's eve. eve happy new year's eve everybody We're, it's thursday for us but when you hear this it will be uh new year's eve yeah so um we have some time to listen to our so podcast. some no small thing updates as we head into the new year 2019 we're trying to be a bit more public and aggressive about putting ourselves out there and trying to reach more people with this podcast. Yes. And so with that, get more been, listeners. We've been asking get people to write uh, reviews, to rate us on Apple Podcasts, to go on there. And we got aggressive on our Instagram and asked, and three people wrote reviews. And it was people so responded. sweet. So people we want to read out. a few of those and encourage you all to. If you like this podcast, go and rate and review. It helps spread the word. Okay, so uh, let me just do these first two, and then you read Ava's. Okay. Um, Oh, okay. So I've heard from a friend or two that 
it's a little daunting, and I don't know what they're talking about. I have an iTunes account, mm-hmm. and I'm surprised. I've been surprised as we've been doing this podcast how I, I how few people have iTunes accounts. There's lots of people who use something called Downcast. There's people that use Stitcher. Many people want to listen to this podcast on Spotify. We're not on Spotify. Long mm. story. Don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe someday on our Instagram account, I'll give you some instructions of how to, to make interview. an iTunes account. I think account. there's a way that's to why. do it on your computer too. Okay. You don't have to use the app. I'll, that's just a preamble to say I think somebody wrote a review and didn't quite understand <laughs> how to make an account. Because <laughs> if you, anybody goes and wants you to see something kind of funny <laughs> on our reviews, so first of all, whoever wrote this, thank you. Yeah, it's a great review. Um, it says the title. Of this review is James Cone, and then this review is by Macy Mooney. <laughs> Unless Macy's but tricking me, but I didn't me, write it. She did not write it. I didn't write it. So somebody, somebody, I think somebody, created an account person. and put your name in, and probably didn't understand. Yeah. Um, so a mystery person made this review. Let it be known, I did not write my own review like this. N- <laughs> and that's a nice review. It's a really so, good review. Okay, it says these two do a phenomenal job deep diving into all sorts of topics. The episode on James Cone, Black Theology, was enlightening and educational. Just queued up the episode on fashion. Looking forward to their banter. Scott and Macy attack it all. Great chemistry. I'm not usually into poetry, but I find myself drawn into the Reuven poetry readings. Yes, Reuven's Woo! poetry corner. That's a, probably the first Reuven shout out in a review. Maybe. We like it. I'm not sure. Yeah, Reuven. I'm glad to hear that people like the Rubinations. Yeah, Rubinations. We like the Rubinations. We love the Rubinations. We appreciate Rubin. Okay, this one. Um, now here comes a title. Not, here it comes. This is an interesting title, and I like it. So 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 good. That's the title, and this is by Just Sunny, and she just says, "This is a great. This is this is what I want to draw everybody's attention to. Everybody, listen to this review. By far my favorite podcast." Now, I don't know if that's true, but what I like, and for everybody listening, it's short and sweet. Don't, you don't need to write a big, long thing. It it just, it's nice. It's nice. I like reading a nice, long description or review, but we get whatever this does to the algorithm on iTunes, we get the credit. So a a, a, a review and a rating done. All that she wrote was by far my favorite podcast and then gave us four uh, star face emojis. So Ooh, that's nice. You could, you could, if you're really trying to be quick, just give us some emojis for the review. You could be really thoughtful about the emojis you yeah. choose to. That's very fun. I would think it'd be fun, but uh, okay. Uh, Macy's going to read this one from Ava. Oh yeah, this one was so well written. It was yeah. so sweet. Um, they sh- Ava wrote, amazing. I love this podcast. I usually don't enjoy podcasts, but the insightful topics and conversations are always entertaining. The episodes are a great length, and I am never bored when listening. Thank you, Ava. Thank you, because... And this is Ava from our youth group, and we are big fans. Yeah. And she's a freshman girl. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that, that, thank you for saying that, Ava, because we get a little uh, uh, concerned about our length sometimes. Yeah, some people don't that, like the long episodes, but we like the long episodes. We do, too. We do too. So thank you. And then uh, she said, I love the optimistic and encouraging nature of both Scott and Macy and listening to their banter is so fun. Our attempt at banter. Our attempt at banter. <laughs> and then we're too nice to each other. Uh, their viewpoints are refreshing and I always make me think. I would give this podcast more than five stars if I could. It's wow. amazing. Thank you, Ava. Ava. We love you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the people who write reviews. It means a lot. It means a lot. So we've been trying to insert a little mild request for ratings and reviews or telling you about our Patreon. 
kind of sneaking in at the end of an episode, and and we're gonna keep doing that. But we're just coming we're just for front. this week. We're just coming out front because I think we got excited about these reviews. Yeah, and did. Uh, it was really sweet. And there it is. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully it's not too boring to hear us talk about these reviews. They mean a lot to us. They really do. Truly, I'm not just saying that. It's no small thing. It's no small I had thing. To say it. You had to say it. Okay, so rate and review us, everybody. Please. Please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you so, haven't already. Uh, this week you're talking about Age of Wisdom. Oh yeah. Okay. So this week we're talking about Age and Wisdom and. So what we want to do really quick is reflect a little yeah thinking back to our last episode. We want to we want to uh, our last episode was our third episode and a lot can happen in 6 months. It's been about 6 months, right? A little I over? So, I think about 6 months, 29 weeks. Wow. Okay, so we were truly new podcasters and we did Baby not have any podcasters. experience we had no idea what we were doing we're completely self-made independent newbie nobody podcasters everybody which is kind of what we, we just dove are in, in a sense. yeah and and so in preparation for this macy and i listened to our old episode which was our third episode and we really? i think we were just realizing how how much we've learned and how far we've come and how how sort of um uncomfortable we seemed maybe yeah. at points in that first episode i was so nervous i was really nervous in the beginning but that was probably the milestone most nervous mm-hmm. episode i said like so many times yeah it's shocking that, that's a that's a nervous type of tick you know yeah and, and do you have thoughts about why you were nervous i don't know we had people here it was how a- many people we had so many people. Yeah, your, your, Jack was your here. My squad friends were came here. Out for you. My squad was here. Reuben and Matthew, I think, were both home too. Just all the people. And Reuben was acting a little weird. <laughs> 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 oh. I, I remember he was sitting in the corner. He acted. He he reacted strangely to things he was reading on his computer a few times. But also he he was doing some like aggressive <laughs> cuddling with Matthew here at the table. And it was distracting. <laughs> we love a, you, Reuben. There was a lot. He of doesn't st- even listen, so <laughs> he doesn't, he's not going to hear this. There was a lot of stimulus around, so that episode was kind of wild. Also, this topic, ancient wisdom. It what was, do we even was, mean by that? And we didn't even know. We just bit off more than we could chew. I think. I mean, again, I listening back. I think the content is good. Like the things we were saying were good. I could just tell yeah. that we were uncomfortable and a little out of our league. Yeah. Um, did anything else stand out to you as you listened back? Well, as I was reflecting about what we were going to talk about in our agent wisdom, I was thinking about, I was like, oh, I really like just love the idea of loving your childlike self. And then I was listening back and I talked about that. Mm. And so it's just funny to hear yourself keep remembering the things you talk about and like yeah. them persisting. Because my thoughts on agent wisdom are relatively similar, mm-hmm. my viewpoints, but I just have different experiences now to share and bring. Yeah. Um, the conversation has widened in my mind just because of experience. And I now work with little babies. Well, not babies. That's a teaser. But I work with children now, uh, early childhood education, which has brought up a lot more thoughts around age and wisdom and the kinds of things we're talking about. That is highly significant because highly last time, I mean, everybody knows if you've listened to anything, Macy and I met in the context of doing youth ministry at a church in here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And uh, since 
Uh, Macy has been working at a preschool that follows a, a philosophy. I call it philosophy. Yeah, uh, it's inspired by the like Reggio. Reggio approach. Yeah, and you've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. I'm still so a huge learner of this kind of philosophy. Night and day difference from the last episode in yeah. terms of some things to think and say. Totally. Yeah. Very excited about sharing about that. So we're going to share about that. But then you've also been prepping for... Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, so one of the reasons this... This came up. Well, let's say that in a second. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say um, uh, a few reflections, a few more reflections. Oh, reflections from, from on the, this old episode. One of the things, and it's interesting. First of all, everybody, get in touch with us. Get in touch by DMing us on Instagram yeah. if you're interested. Email We're us, interested. Podcast at gmail.com. Emailing is We'd probably very effective. Very effective. In terms of like, if you want to get some long form thoughts out on your computer, not typing with your little thumbs on your <laughs> screen on your phone, that's a DM. You know, it's like if you want to actually type out some thoughts, we would read it and listen and appreciate it, and we'd respond. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting to think that um, the mix, and this is the type of stuff I think about, mm-hmm. wasn't very good. The sound quality was. Oh, very in terms good. of editing. Yeah, and then also we had not, I had not, we had not thought through how exactly we were doing our transitions mm-hmm. and i was i was getting so angry listening to this episode the agent wisdom one because it was like the music just comes out of nowhere and cuts us off and we're like in mid-sentence and I'm like, <laughs> what is that and i don't know exactly when i tried to i tried to go back and figure out when exactly it was that we really started saying here comes the break yeah and that when to me is I like say, a hosting you later i don't know i don't know i i i think we really started getting a rhythm in the ASMR episode, which was the first episode I did. We did when I came back from mm-hmm. Europe. And I think that was a next level phase had, like, for our had, podcast. We had white space to think about yeah. stuff. Yeah, we did. We really did. But yeah, that was so interesting. Hmm. I guess thinking back, I knew we needed the space. We needed the break. Yeah. But I didn't know how to do the break. So interesting. Yeah. It was a Catch wild experience later. going back to that episode. So we're hoping that the episode is a little chaotic in... I, I don't know. It's an interesting episode for me. So this seems a bit redemptive to be going maybe. back to this we'll topic. See. What, what, maybe we'll maybe see. Maybe it's worse than the first one. <laughs> Let's hope not. Yeah, Macy said like a lot. Anything else you remember? More than a lot. Or that stood out? Um, no, I, I still like that we talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. No other thoughts. No more, no more existential th- feelings about podcasting and the difference between then and now or anything like that? Well, especially in thinking of age and wisdom, it's just interesting thinking about time and how much we've learned in so little time in terms of podcasting. That's true. But maybe how much you could learn in any, in any activity that you choose to start to learn. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting to look back on that and just, it's strange having these records of your younger self, even though it's just six months ago, mm-hmm. I can listen to my younger self and I find myself sometimes being critical, but I'm also trying to hold myself with grace and just, it's like, whoa, I get to encounter the thoughts of my younger self. Now it's that's, strange. that's something you said in the, that you might've missed. Cause I know you didn't listen all the way to the end, but that was a, that was one of your big takeaways. Oh, I think I remember saying that. Yeah. yeah. Learning to like, I mean, essentially what Ted was saying. Like, hold your younger self with grace. Yeah. Hold yeah. yourself in general with some grace. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. Well, anyways, if, if anybody mm. wants to go back and even maybe listen to the first few minutes, I think you'll notice a difference in sound and tone oh, from those yeah, early episodes. Vo- my voice sounds different. It's tough it's to know because I want I want an authentic um I want an authentic record of our episodes. I don't I don't want to like airbrush our progression. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like those those are there and to a certain extent it seems that people start at the beginning for some reason. I, yeah. I, I guess I would I know. probably. It's a little cringy to think about this the, one. That playlist episode just keeps getting listened to. And it's a good episode. I actually yeah, really like the playlist episode. playlist episode. But um, yeah, if you want to go back and just maybe listen to the first 10 minutes for fun, I don't know if you'd think it'd be interesting. But uh, okay. So, but tonight's so, Agent Wisdom Part 2. Now we're going to tell you a little bit about tonight. Uh, so here's the deal. I, we, I work at a church. It's called University Presbyterian Church here in Seattle, um, and I'm going to preach this Sunday. And at UPC, it is four services. Holy smokes! So many. The funny thing times. is that there's another Presbyterian church here in town called Magnolia Presbyterian Church. My wife will be preaching at that church. That it's day. kind We're of all epic. over the city. My wife and I preaching, <laughs> and uh, it's really interesting. The, the sermons here at UPC are generally about 25 minutes, sometimes longer, depending yeah. on who's preaching. I'm going to go 25 minutes. And so that's four sermons on Sunday, 25 minutes. Marissa, my wife, is preaching once, one service, 15 minutes. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm kind of yeah. jealous. But so here's, here's the deal. I'm going to be preaching on this text from Luke that talks about... 12-year-old Jesus teaching in the temple. And this is the only text we have of Jesus between the birth narratives and when he's starting his public ministry at 33. It's so crazy. Yeah. This very epic human. You have such a yeah. gap. Now, one of the interesting things, that I wasn't really planning on saying this, but uh, there's all this apocryphal text of Jesus, like the Gospel of Thomas, mm-hmm. where... Yeah, it has it has a lot of like teenage Jesus narratives. They're so funny. weird stories. Yeah, though. he does a lot of healings, but he also kills some people, <laughs> which is really weird. <laughs> I don't remember reading that. Oh, God, <laughs> not like not like he does it with like his Jesus magic. Like he curses people and they die. He's like mm-hmm. I forget exactly how it goes, but um, there's one where he's like playing in the water with some birds or something, and some guy comes and messes with him, and he curses him and oh, dies. wow. Interesting. Yeah. Young Jesus. The Gospel, the Gospel of Thomas, Thomas. non-canonical yeah. <laughs> text. So, uh, yeah, but in, in, in the Gospel narratives, we only have this one of Jesus at 12. Is it in Luke? It's in Luke, hmm. yeah. So, I, so now, I... I'm I'm talking about this not only because it's right after Christmas, so this is essentially the next step in the story. Um, but uh, I'm a youth pastor. That's how Macy and I met, and that's why we did Age and Wisdom in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I am preparing my sermon, so I thought um, this would be an interesting place to sort of um, collaborate, share, collaborate, share, workshop, <laughs> share. I'm I'm going to share essentially what I'm some of the stuff I'm planning on talking about on Sunday in the context of the podcast and in the context of this headline or title of Asian wisdom. And we're going to continue to try to talk about this interplay of essentially it's the interplay of adults and kids and, and how we uh, oftentimes don't think of kids as bearers 
of wisdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whatever that word means. Now, that's a funny <laughs> part when you go back and listen to the episode is Macy will I, not let me off the hook. I don't know why I was of, so aggressive. She really wanted me to define wisdom. I still can't do it. I looked it up. Everybody. It's weird. I, I, I know I said this in the first, in the last episode. Go up and look up wisdom. If you, if you, it's a, it's a, it seems like a mysterious word. Very it mysterious It is a word. mysterious so, word. It's a deep, deep word. So that's, yeah. that's essentially what we're doing tonight. Yeah. And, and then Macy's going to talk a little bit about her preschool yeah. philosophy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The Reggio and Project is so beautiful. I yeah. am excited to share about it. Yes. I'm um, excited to hear about it. So we have just kind of fun different angles on ancient wisdom tonight. Mm-hmm. I, wh- what I would say is this is, and I want to say this when I give my sermon on Sunday, this isn't for parents. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine that many folks, maybe most folks, maybe a lot of folks <laughs> interact with kids or will interact with kids or have interacted with kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking kids all across the gamut, one to 18 kids, kids, kids. Um, in this story, Jesus is 12, but you know, in the, in the past, Macy and I give a lot of disclaimers. Like last week, we we're talking about fashion. We're not experts on fashion, but we're, we are as kind of close to, as you can get to experts in working with kids, whatever that means. We, we are. Have, well, who else? Who else is more? I don't know. Um, people. There's more expert people out there, but we do There's work more with more ex- That's why I say as close as this, this is, we're in more expert territory oh, here than I we are with fashion. You. I don't, yeah. I worked in fashion. I've worked with kids my whole life. That's all I've done. Yeah. Same here. You same know? here. So this is, this is what we do. And mm-hmm. I do think there is a message that I have to convey to people about working with kids and how to approach them. Um, yeah. So I like to think if, if you're a person in your life that in any way works or interacts with kids, like I think some of the stuff we're talking about here is helpful and, and, and necessary, hmm. not only hmm. for you, but for the kids you're interacting with. Hmm. So age and wisdom, everybody. Here it comes. Here it comes. Okay. Uh, so when we come back here, see, it's a little different than in the <laughs> early days where music just cut us off randomly. <laughs> the music is about to come. I'm warning you. <laughs> it's not going to cut me off mid-sentence. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try to get in a little bit to some of the content of this sermon that I'm going to give on Sunday, yeah. and then uh, we'll take it from there. So that's when we come back. So, again, we we want this podcast to be appealing or inviting to all types of personalities. Now, one one major, massive, huge, probably underlying subconscious goal of mine would be that we could talk about faith in a way that felt inclusive to everybody. It didn't Mm -hmm. didn't feel like if you were listening to this or if we were reading a Bible passage, that necessarily means this is a Christian podcast or you need to be a Christian to appreciate this. Right. That, I I mean, the Bible, if, if, if you're not a person that believes in, in the Bible being sort of authoritative or something that is the guiding thing for your life, it still is an interesting text. Mm 
Yeah, and it's inspired a lot of people. Yeah. So I think it'd be if you well, we're we, like we said, we're trying to help people be curious. So this is this is a little something that we like to talk about and I think is worth being curious about. So we are going to read a Bible passage here. This is the Bible passage I'm going to read. So It'll give good context. Yeah, it will. It will be hard to talk about without knowing. So and then again, this is this is essentially what I'll be doing on Sunday too. As I will we will read this passage. So and and if you've just celebrated Christmas, um, this is sort of how the the narrative gets moved along. Jesus was born. Um, there is, for your information, you, you didn't know this. There is no other story. Jesus is born, mm-hmm. and then this yes. happens. Twelve. Here he is. We, we miss. I'm going to try to address a little bit of this. Is like trying to trying to wonder what Jesus may have been like hmm. in in those years between now and twelve. Hmm. One thing that's worth saying that I probably will say is that theologically we believe Jesus is 100% divine, 100% human, 100% mm-hmm. God, 100% human. And it's what we call a right paradox. We said that when we talked about the Trinity. Um, and it's it's good to have right paradox in the sense that it keeps God at a distance. It keeps God as a mystery. Yeah, God's both mm-hmm. mysterious but also human. And it so keep, there, there's all sorts of heresies out there, if you're interested. I'm just saying this as a side note that try to get a hold of Jesus and saying, essentially, maybe at this point he was all God. And maybe at this mm, point he was mm. just w- functioning as a human. Maybe, you know, trying to wrap their heads around yeah. who Jesus is. And it's like, nope, 100%, 100%. 100% this God, 100%. This confusing thing doesn't yeah. make sense. So um, what does it mean for Jesus to be human? I think I think to think of him as a kid and to think of him in this passage um, what, one of the things I'm going to try to emphasize that I think is often de-emphasized hmm. when we talk about this story is Jesus's humanity. Um, okay, so he, this is Luke twenty, uh, Luke two forty-one through fifty-two. That's what I'll be reading right now. Here we go. They title in the NIV this section called uh, "The Boy Jesus at the Temple." Uh. <laughs> I almost said the word pericope, <laughs> and I thought that would really throw people <laughs> that off. That is the right the, word, the though. Section, the section. <laughs> um, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with Nazareth with <laughs> Then he went down to Nazareth with them. What a strange little sentence. Nazareth with. <laughs> then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And then in church we'll say, This is the word of the Lord. And we just say, Thanks, Thanks be to be God. To God. Um, 
So yeah, uh, youth pastor in church talking about Jesus. We're titling this so typical sermon called. Uh, we're titling this sermon um, "Jesus the Tween Years." Jesus the Tween Years. <laughs> That's the one story we have. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So there it is. What an interesting story. It's always it's a story that I think a lot of people know or hear about because it is such a rarity. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very unique story, and. What, do you have any initial uh, thoughts as as you listen to that? No, the only thing that well, the thing that stood out to me was he was in the temple and it says he was asking questions, and then they were amazed by his answers mm-hmm. and the way he knew things. Mm-hmm. So it was a very interesting uh, combination of words there because he was they were amazed questions answers yeah questions yeah. and answers and it seems like his questioning and is in a sense, it's like his answer, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. That was a thought. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, part of the Jewish tradition was asking good questions, in this sense, in the mm-hmm. temple, mm-hmm. And, and participating in this back and forth of, you know, dissecting the text, dissecting mm-hmm. scripture, whatever. Um, oh, it's cool. <laughs> it's pretty fun, I feel yeah. like. So, um, so here's, here's what I'm going to try to do here. Macy and I are sitting here at a table Mm -hmm. and I'm going to essentially run through a few of my ideas for this sermon and we'll see Macy's going to reject or approve. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That's not what's going to (laughs) happen. Um, but maybe we'll just kind of talk about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. So there you have our text. That's, that's what we preaching on. So how it works is essentially like here, here's, let me just say a little something about how I view preaching. Mm Mm-hmm. This is this is something that I feel pretty passionate about, actually. One, years and years ago, a professor said, "What's the difference?" It, and uh, I had never heard somebody talk about this before. Between between teaching and preaching, hmm. what would you say, Macy? <laughs> Putting her on know. the spot, she did teaching, not know I was going to ask her that. Teaching is like a sense of I have something to tell you about, and I'm going to teach you the way to do it. As we're preaching is kind of opening up and like giving a thought on something, but mm-hmm. trying to inspire other people to then it's, I think preaching is a more inspirational thing of like a, mm. here's an interpretation of Ooh. this thing and a sharing of that. So good. As we're teaching seems to be a little bit more of like a, there's a way to do it. And I'm here to guide you to that. Yeah. I, I'd say I agree with most of that. I don't even disagree with anything. I, <laughs> I just add a few things. Um, I think, I think teaching it could could be here's here's the way to think about it, especially if you're a person that's an expert in a certain field. Mm-hmm. But it also could involve a more academic like survey of a topic. Like here's mm-hmm. how many many people think about this thing, hmm. and think for yourself. Go study it. There's your survey. Hmm. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, and then preaching. I would say the way I think about it now is a word from God for a specific community, a specific time and place. Oh, that's a cool way of so, thinking so this, about this it, too. So pr- this professor was saying, and I kind of agree, where I get kind of uh, like a bit, turn into a bit of a purist when it comes to preaching, at least if you're, if you're going to preach, preach, purist. if you're going to teach, teach. <laughs> yeah. And what I get excited about is this idea that there isn't a sermon, if you're thinking about preaching in a purist sense, mm-hmm. that you can sort of take on the road. Mm-hmm. I'm going to preach it here, I'm going to preach it here, I'm going to preach it here. Hmm. No, because mm-hmm. the way we view being a pastor 
and and preparing a sermon is you have a word from the Lord essentially hmm. um, for a specific community at a certain time through a specific text, hmm. which is so fun. That's a to lot think of about. yeah. That's a lot of like ways in which yeah. to then go about it. So the role of a pastor, which the best way to think of that that phrase or that word, pastor, is a shepherd hmm. who's shepherding a community, and the idea is you you read this text on behalf of the community with them in mind mm-hmm. in paying attention to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to you mm-hmm. to tell the community. Mm-hmm. It's kind it of interesting. Honoring. Again, like I, I, if you're not a, if you're not a Christian, is, this might be just interesting to know about yeah, Christians or this is a thing. And you know, if you're not a Christian or if you're not a spiritual person, the same thing can apply. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I'm trying to think of like the right environment. Like if you're a boss, Mm-hmm. Ready to give a talk to a community yeah, or, or, or some employees, apply. you can still be thinking about them and thinking about what do I need to be saying at this time to this particular group. Be open to what the idea is yeah. for, yeah. You can still be as thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm thinking oh, about. Nice like, what, thinking what about does UPC need to know hmm. about this passage? Not only just UPC in general, but now. Because hmm. they, I, I don't know. UPC has been around for over 50 years. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure they've, this passage has been preached on multiple times. Mm-hmm. So well, that's, that's what I'm wrestling with right now. What, what does UPC need to know so, now? So what are you going to share? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I have, I'm going to start with a story. Okay. And Macy, I might, might've heard this story before, but I think it's a good story. Okay, great. So working at my old church, Bethany, I was a, I was a youth pastor at a church called Bethany Presbyterian here in Seattle for 12 years. And, um, uh, we did we did a time where we were talking to middle schoolers about uh, confirmation, and and in that we talked about sacraments. So we talked about baptism, we talked about communion, and um, we're we're sitting around talking, and we the kids have their first communion, or essentially their first uh, official communion, mm-hmm. uh, and then we come back to the youth house and talk about it. And one of the things that comes up is this idea of like that was such a great experience. We're all mm-hmm. talking about this. Picture it in a, in a living room, essentially. And we have 30 middle schoolers. And uh, maybe a few, maybe a little less. And um, we're, we're talking about this experience, and they say, we, why don't we do that every week? Okay, this is great. Mm-hmm. Now there's an, an enthusiasm and an excitement for communion, which that would be a whole other whole episode podcast about what communion. is communion. That would be super that would be interesting. interesting. Heavy, deep, uh, Lots of nuance, lots of meaning, lots of meaning. Lots of discussion. um, Do their first communion, and now they want it. And Bethany, now this is another thing, different than UPC. Bethany did it three times a month. Okay. I think UPC does like once a quarter, which is interesting. They don't do it very often. Yeah. So Three times um, a month, that's almost every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. If any Bethany folks are listening to this, it might have been every other Sunday, hmm. but um, it was all it was much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the idea with communion, and we're we, again we're trying to teach the kids about this, mm-hmm. is that here's another quick side note that I think people may find interesting. Mm-hmm. I've done probably ten weddings. So one one little odd little thing people want to do in a, in a wedding is have communion. Now I don't think it's odd. I think if I another side note, I did this in my wedding. You so, did communion. Yep. Yeah. I did. Marissa and I did it. Here's the thing: in weddings, 
the couple will take communion in front of everybody. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying, <laughs> listeners? So the the, uh, the 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 group, the congregation, the audience is sitting there watching this wedding. But don't some weddings the people will take communion too? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that can, the whole the whole point of communion is to symbolize God's love for all people, hmm. not not in any way a very specific set apart select few. Hmm. So the fact that you'd use this ceremony to somehow accentuate your individual love for just each other is the exact opposite meaning of communion and you're distorting it. But couldn't you use communion in a way to then celebrate the like big communal love, like to, to D. Well, so, so that's the thing. It's like, do communion in a, in a wedding, but but serve communion to everybody. Oh yeah, the point. yeah. Oh, now I've said this to. Oh, m- so some people don't serve it to everybody. Most now again, oh. if out of doing ten weddings, many people, if not all, and I could be wrong. I need to really look into it. That I've suggested and urged over marriage counseling sessions, don't do private communion. They say, yeah. thank you, and we're still doing it. Oh, Isn't that gosh, interesting? That's so interesting. Yeah, and I, I want to say essentially it's like. It's a free country. We live in America, but you're not, that's <laughs> not, not communion, communion, but we're going to call it communion and we're going to have bread and juice. And it's just really oh, interesting. Gosh. So anyways, if you have that in mind, we're talking to these kids now. Okay. So picture that. Okay. And we're saying, look, community is, c- communion is done in community. Yes. It's done with the whole, it's done with the whole body. Everyone is invited. The whole church. Yeah. So it wouldn't be typical or necessarily the best essentially to say if, you know, two folks are just hanging out, you could make an argument for this, but typically Mm -hmm. let's just have communion. Well, we got to be with our, with our church community, whatever that would look like. Mm -hmm. Now that, that'd be a whole different thing Mm -hmm. to talk about, but you're picturing me at Bethany Prez. That is the church community. Yeah. So the middle schoolers are saying, (laughs) <laughs> the story is not going to be this long on something. <laughs> That's really interesting to kind of tell it like this. But um, uh, we want to have communion every Sunday. Well, we can't because we're in Sunday school while the while the adults are in church. Hmm. Um, well, why don't we just do? Here's the cru- here, everybody. Oh. If you haven't been paying attention, here comes the, here the crutch comes. here, the the center of the story. <laughs> why don't we just do communion with the middle schoolers here in the youth house? Then hmm. my answer: We don't do that. We have to be with the whole community, and here's the zinger and the whole point of my story on the Sunday. zinger. Uh, the the kid says, "Well, the adults do it every week without us." Hmm. Wow, and that has two important points. One is hmm. true, true good point. Uh, they do do it every week with us. So, um, how's that able to happen? Yeah. Why are they able to do it with us? We can't do it without them. The whole church community would include the youth. The youth, yeah. Yeah. We can't. We can't do this until the middle schoolers get over here. Yeah. You know. We need we everybody there. But the mm. other point was, good point from the kid that I wasn't even thinking about. And mm. should we just march him over to the Sunday service and let him share this? We should. We should, yeah. Stop the sermon, everybody. Excuse us. <laughs> A good point has been made from this middle school kid. And it was like, I guess... I guess some people could hear that and say, that's a, that's a nice little story. That's a nice point. But but it's, it's a story about me learning. Hmm. I was 
it was a shocked moment. Like mm. it broke through my, Cause you hadn't thought that I was not prepared for that. And mm. I was, I was in this sort of classic adult stance at that moment of, mm. of thing. I'm teaching you about communion mm. and let me tell you why we can't do that because we all have to be together in community. Mm. You, little 12 year old boy, you know, and it's like, mm. wait up. Oh. And oh. I was like, Oh, cognitive dissonance. I was just like, you're right. And, and you I had learned no answer. something from him right yeah, then. Yeah, totally learned something. Hmm. That's the opening, I think. There's the story. Say. There's the story. <laughs> Drawing the people in. You're going to say Hopefully. a cheesy Christian joke. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I cheesy Christian joke. But, um, it's meant to convey the thing that I think we were talking about in Age and Wisdom. And this is my... And then, obviously, I've been talking a lot. I'd love to hear Macy's thoughts on this. But I think one of my primary messages as a youth pastor um, is to adults people I, I train adults work with adults work with parents to work with kids and it's to say that we should not and this isn't like a gimmick this isn't a trick hmm. it's a true thing in our hearts psychologically spiritually theologically all those things to not approach kids in this way where we think we have these answers hmm. to hmm. to the mysteries of life and to hmm. practical everyday solutions and wisdoms and um if if we approach kids like that we're, we're not only going to fail with them in terms of being effective but we're hmm. going to lose out everyone hmm. loses everyone loses yeah oh and that's a message and and the and the reason i'm so passionate about it is because it's not it's not typical that the the parents and adults that i know approach kids like that they Mm-mm. approach kids with um, either snobbery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. Like, I know you don't. Or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got to tell these You have to people. teach them all these yeah. things and they need to know. And they're acting this way. Now i got to correct them. And, yeah. you know, um, and then, like I said, like, I think we have so much to learn. And I know you're going to talk about that too, Macy. But we have so much to learn from kids. Mm. And we are depriving ourselves mm. of something so profoundly beautiful and helpful. And mm-hmm. um, I think this passage going back to this Jesus thing is like somehow Jesus finds himself in a worship temple setting where he is being treated with respect and listened mm. to and mm. honored. Mm. It's so beautiful to think about. Yeah, it's really sweet. It's really special. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Young Jesus. Young Jesus. And his thoughts, and I bet his ideas then, they're just as... That's what's the bummer is his thoughts are just as valid as his probably big parable teachings and things like that. We don't have them on record. I know. What was he saying? saying? Yeah, we want to know. And that's what's so interesting is we get Jesus as like a 30-year-old, but there's all of this time in between where he was teaching and learning and people mm-hmm. like growing a reputation for the way he was thinking. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, starting at such a young age. Yeah. Little Jesus. So little side note, <laughs> little side note. It, 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 first of all, we're in a second, we're going to hear about Macy and Reggio, which I have nothing to say about. <laughs> uh, Cause I don't even know. So I'm be learning from her. So I am talking a lot right now, but right now we're kind of in that portion. Where we're talking about my sermon. <laughs> now I work it's really interesting. Macy was my intern, but before that, she was Bianca's intern, and that was with the middle school ministry at our church. Mm-hmm. And I called Bianca today and had a really interesting and cool conversation with her about this passage. Oh, wow. And Bianca said something that I thought was really 
helpful and informative, which was middle schoolers to her instruct us through their questions. Oh. And that was wow. something that I really hope to highlight on Sunday. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's because they're getting us in touch with our questions that we have lost track of. Hmm. Our true hmm. real questions that adulthood or cynicism yeah. Yeah. has piled on and silenced. Yeah. And and they're good questions. They're good questions. They're they they question with less fear. Mm-hmm. And so they mm-hmm. ask more questions and their questions are important. Yeah. And their questions can be prophetic to us because yeah. they get they get us to wrestle with our faith again and hmm. not take things for granted. Hmm. So that's what it says in the text. Jesus was asking questions. Hmm. That's so cool. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. So youth as prophets. Youth as prophets. <laughs> That's another thing we like to talk about is like youth being prophetic in the mm. way they talk. So this has been a time, you know, it, it, we're already like, again, like 45 minutes. Oh, or something no. Like that. So I don't think we're going to get into the whole sermon here. But but I will say I was telling my wife Marissa the other day like I had a zinger for this a zinger and I wanted to tell Macy about my zinger. <laughs> I told my wife Marissa and she didn't. She we had a really funny conversation about what the word zinger was because what is it? I I didn't know. I've never used that word before. I know you've used it already twice now. Here's what I mean by <laughs> it. when I came when I had this thought. I I thought it was kind of an original thought regarding this text, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of an original youth pastor thought. Ooh. So you read all these commentaries. People that really studied this text are trying to tell us the deep meaning. And what everybody says when they write about it and preach about this text is this is supposed to essentially highlight um, Jesus' divinity hmm. and his hmm. and his mission. He's hmm. he's a, this is his first stepping out and teaching and taking sort of this leadership role. Hmm. Hmm. Um and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So I'm not like it's a good interpretation. That. But if we are thinking about this idea of Jesus being 100% God, 100% human, and we're really thinking about like one of the deep hopes or the deep, um, what's a word I'd want to use? Well, deep hopes. That's deep it. hopes. Um, one of the things that's very helpful about reading about and understanding Jesus is that he is with us. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, That's what the word Emmanuel means, God Hmm. with us. And so Jesus comes down, God comes down to be with humanity, to understand humanity's pain. God is flesh. God is flesh. God, we we believe and worship a God that knows and understands what it means to be human Hmm. Mm -hmm. in all that, in all the good and bad elements of that. So if we just emphasize this 12-year-old Jesus and think about middle schoolers or tweens or whatever, um, this is their one story. Hmm. Oh, it's just showing how Jesus is divine and he's ready to start his mission. Hmm. Hmm. But what if it's more of this thing of, um, if you look at this story, there's so much interesting middle school stuff happening. So much behavior. He's running away away. from home. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) And then... Teaching in the temple courts or whatever he's doing here mm-hmm. is could highlight his divinity for sure. And also to say that I do think adolescents at this stage do start to find their voice in a brand mm-hmm. new way, mm-hmm. in a human mm-hmm. way. Like this yeah. is a very mm-hmm. natural, mm-hmm. developmentally appropriate 
thing for Jesus to be doing that all middle schoolers could relate to. Hmm. And to think that like having these thoughts and needing to share them, they're starting to think for themselves mm-hmm. and have these. So that's my, uh, that's my zinger. <laughs> wow. It's, it's, I'm just trying to emphasize his humanity now. Also mm-hmm. in terms of like what Macy and I do with youth, like, um, oftentimes you watch what's happening here. This is a very typical family moment. Like at this point in a new way, parents are always in over their heads, mm-hmm. but in a new way, <laughs> Mary and Joseph are a little bit in over their heads. Now, isn't it so great when parents of a 12 year old are, are finding themselves a little bit in over their heads and they have a secondary community to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And that's what seems mm-hmm. to be happening here. He runs away, but he's with some safe people who are taking him seriously. And yeah, he's being held by that, and, you know, taking mm-hmm. him seriously. And then so I'm, I'm condensing a lot of sermon here and just this here little last go. thought. Then, but what I do love in conclusion is it says, uh, you know, Mary kind of does this, who knows, this mild scolding of, of this of this 12-year-old Jesus. But then it concludes, this is loaded. I don't know. There's mm-hmm. no, there's layers of mm-hmm. meaning to this. Um, Mary treasured these things in her heart. Mm-hmm. She's a mom. Mm-hmm. So she's not Wait, like, Mary went home angry. They named... Uh, qualities and he grew in wisdom and stature yeah. and things now like bianca that. was saying that's what she does with the middle schoolers that she has four items she holds up and talks about those things mm-hmm. she says she has a brain she holds up jesus grew in wisdom so she holds a brain mm. <laughs> stature, in wisdom age and wisdom and favor yeah there you go age and mm. wisdom <laughs> but it, it <laughs> says man. um mary treasured all these things in her heart i mm. think that's re- that's really interesting that is too. really sweet or, or a challenge for parents yeah the wild new person your the middle messiness. school is becoming are you are you treasuring that are you scared are you bemoaning it are you bitter because jesus know? is pressing into his curiosity yes yes he's he's curious about what it's like to be in the temple all these things and and what every middle schooler does and now i have a 12 year old daughter so my daughter's literally this age they, they start to be and act in ways that you're not accustomed to. And I do think one of the most harmful things a parent or an adult could say is something along the lines of, especially in a, in a harsh, angry, ang- anxious tone. Hmm. I don't even know you anymore. Hmm. Or this is not you. Hmm. Yeah, that's you know, true. That's say, hard words. Like you're becoming, you're, you don't know. This 12-year-old doesn't know who they're becoming. They're more confused than you. Yeah. And you know? they don't, don't have to be that. what you think they should be. Yeah. They, they are the deciders of their own identity. Ooh. So heavy. Very heavy. Wow, that's really interesting. So um, mm. even just here in the room right now, I think it's like emotional because <laughs> we, we <laughs> really mean this stuff. I think stuff. it's getting emotional. Yeah, I don't know if this is helpful. <laughs> I get emotional. I've been getting sentimental yeah, thinking sentimental. about this topic. Yeah. I get, I get a little emotional because I have seen the most well-meaning parents and hmm. caretakers say the the most harmful things to their kids in, in the most um sadly tragic ways because the parents are overwhelmed too everybody's mm-hmm. overwhelmed. overwhelmed life is overwhelming you don't yeah. know what to say and oftentimes we treat kids like adults and so on the one hand we're saying View view kids as image bearers of God and wisdom bearers, mm. and at the same time, appreciate that they are just kids and they're figuring mm. themselves out. Mm. Like have know? grace towards them. Yeah, it's hard. Gosh, it's hard being it's with hard these kids. To, it's hard to grow up. <laughs> oh, life. 
Okay, well, so that's essentially a, a, a little bit of my sermon. Interesting to... I think it's it was really interesting. interesting. I'm to, intrigued to now hear the actual sermon. Yeah, yeah, I am too. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to just kind of tease it like that and know that... It'll you know, be articulated differently. We really, we really, in a sermon context, really can't just go all night like we do with the podcast <laughs> sometimes. So I, I really will have to figure out how to condense it. But um, that's... So I think we'll we'll put a hold on that conversation and and like i said or we said um macy's been working at this really cool the coolest preschool progressive interesting cutting edge preschool yeah and whenever i hear about it uh i just am so blown away so i'm sure we'll be talking about this more in the future on this yeah podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah really relevant to what we think but coming up next we're gonna just a little bit touch into that we're gonna hear about that. reggio reggio approach and um and the just hill? What, what's it, what's this? It's called Hilltop. Hilltop. That I worked Hilltop. Up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're gonna discuss that. Get excited. Kids are cool. Kids are cool. <laughs> if it sounds exciting for you when we say kids are cool, and that Macy <laughs> works at a preschool that's cutting edge and progressive, uh, then stick around. Uh, that's coming up next. <laughs> just set this up a little bit okay macy's gonna start talking here I, i've been doing so much talking but macy oh let me just i'll, I'll just switch it like this what <laughs> tell us how you got this job yeah yeah so i was doing we were doing the podcast when we did agent wisdom last time i mm-hmm. was still working as an intern with high schoolers and so i before that work with junior hires i've nannied various ages mm-hmm. I used to work at the Boys and Girls Club. I used to coach little kids soccer. I've always, forever okay. in so my life. And then, and then you're going to be like, oh, we're not experts. <laughs> <laughs> I've, when does someone come? I don't know. But I've always worked with kids. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never worked with really young kids besides when I taught soccer, okay. which that was just on the weekends and that was pretty fun. But um, middle schoolers, high schoolers. Middle schoolers, high schoolers. The Boys and, and Girls Club was yeah. like elementary kids. Yeah. Um, but so my friend worked at this preschool and has worked there for years and years and moved to the Bay Area to study like psychology and do further stuff hmm. and has loved working at this preschool called Hilltop Children's Center and knew that they were like kind of were hiring and I needed a job and needed to figure stuff out. And it, I like have heard about this preschool forever and loved it and admired it from a distance. So I applied and I got hired as an on-site Wait, sub. No, what was this? Oh gosh, I don't know, September? Okay. September it happened. Um, so my job at the preschool on-site is... On-site sub. Yeah. Now, also, let's just say this for everybody can picture. Mm-hmm. Everybody, we live in Seattle, Washington. Mm-hmm. We live in a town, neighborhood? Neighborhood. Called neighborhood. Queen Anne. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Macy probably uh, pridefully lives <laughs> at the bottom of Queen Anne. <laughs> Does not want to live at the top with other guppies. No, do not. Yeah, it's the only the thing that that <laughs> separates her from actually being a yuppie <laughs> is being down here at the bottom. I someone else who lives in this exact neighborhood today, at, or as I live in, said they lived in Fremont. Oh, and oh no, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, that's a no. But I know you can but say it's it for like, fun. It, I wouldn't. <laughs> I was like, I relate to you calling it Fremont. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, well, that's an inside Seattle joke. But um, one of the fun things about Macy's life, I mean, a, n- a nice small fun thing, a nice small is fun that thing. this this new job of hers is like a block from her house. It's so close to my home. Yeah. It's so special. And I sold my car. Mm-hmm. So uh, it walk worked out work, really well. Back home. Um. Yeah, so I work at this preschool, which it does feel like a a really sweet, um, like hopeful place for me in this season mm-hmm, of life. Mm-hmm. Love it, love the children. I've seen it. It's it's felt that way. It's true. It's true. It's a really special place. So this preschool, I'll first I'll explain my job, my role a tiny bit, and then I'll explain why it's such a special place. I guess mm-hmm. I'm an on-site sub. Worked there for a few months. There's seven different classes. This is fun because I don't um, even really know this. So this is going to be big for me. There's seven different classes. Raindrop, rainbow, river, mountain, sunlight, beach, and big kids. And each class has three educators. And they're like educator teams. Wow. And each team has planning How, how many time. kids in each class? Uh, Raindrop and rainbow is... The roster is 12, but there's a max 10 kids each day. And three teachers. And three teachers. Okay. It's pretty... So- Right off the bat, <laughs> I know it's a lot of adults, but the teachers are rotating great, and the kids though, right? are there. It's yeah. oh, it's very special, and the kids. Now, what if the government paid for something like that? The, <laughs> That's yeah. a whole different topic. But. It's a whole different topic. Early childhood education is, it's a very interesting topic in terms of funding. Yeah, I think um, it goes to that thing. Uh, Tally was saying is I, I what I what I need I get. Hmm. I don't get more than I need, but this essential thing of like. Isn't education and care a need? You know, like what? It's hard to not see the true beauty and work of this model. Right. That's what I'm saying. I want want people to hear the model. Mm -hmm. We're not going to talk about this tonight, but can't you see like to a certain extent? And because I come from this too, like I don't, I didn't know about Reggio when my kids were young, but my kids did Montessori. And at the time that was considered Montessori. Like that's, that's hmm. what you can do to that's in in our context that was the best preschool hmm. situation you could get your kids into hmm. um and then to think like shouldn't this be available for everybody i i know and you know yeah it should it's truly inspiring work this yeah. kind of school you get emotional i get emotional yeah <laughs> so my job is the sub so i am there every day but well, depending on what teachers are out, I'm in the classroom. So sometimes I'll be in a class for like a whole week or a little longer. And sometimes I'm in like an array of classes. And sometimes I sub for like their planning time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'll sub because someone's sick or someone's out for a vacation. Um, so I have a unique role in that I'm not quite an educator and I'm really learning a lot right now. Um, but I get to experience all the different cultures of each classroom which is super special because wow. a part of the Reggio approach is that each, like the children kind of create the culture. And so it's really interesting how 
They're so different. Age and wisdom. Age and wisdom. Children create (laughs) culture. Everybody listen. Yeah. If you have ears to hear. (laughs) (laughs) It's so special. Yes. Yeah. So I guess I can also explain a tiny bit about what Reggio is. Yes. So it's a preschool and Reggio is, there's no such thing as like a universal Reggio curriculum from my understanding, but there's preschools that are inspired by it. But there's a Reggio philosophy. There's a philosophy, exactly. Um, And I'll share this poem that is a Reggio poem in a second. It's so beautiful. (laughs) Um, We don't have a rejuvenation this week, so we we need a Reggio poem. A Reggio poem. Okay, so this is inspired by Reggio, and I'll just read this tiny bit from the website, actually. Okay. About what that means. Because Reggio... This isn't the poem. No, this isn't the poem. This is a little bit about Reggio. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so Reggio schools... Okay, I want to just uh, preface again, just because I know people. I know people. People. I'm talking to everybody here. I'm Nobody be thinking about, right, at this point, hoity-toity Seattle Queen Anne preschools. Just think about the general philosophy. It's true. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it... Don't worry about Is it affordable? How do people get it? It's just a a principle and a concept. Think about it. Well, and I want to say this, too, is something that I think is maybe encouraging or maybe inspiring for parents is the Reggio approach is way less about a curriculum and more of just about a way of seeing way, yeah. and an understanding. That's what I so want as a parent, That's why we're talking you could be inspired by the Reggio approach and create uh, spaces that allow for children's curiosity and wonder in your home. Yes. So yes, how could yes. you as a parent be inspired by this? Please and thank you to that. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I'm just going to read this. Reggio Amelia schools hold children as competent, capable, and powerful. Wow. Age and wisdom. <laughs> Focus on relationships and collaboration. Believe that knowledge is constructed through shared experiences and discussions. View children as the stewards of their own learning. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Base curriculum child. off their passions. <laughs> View pam- families as partners in learning and create a welcoming environment for learning. So the whole thing of Reggio is this idea that children are natural learners. They're naturally curious in interacting with the world. And we as adults play the role of being more of like a mentor or a guide. We're not passing on any wisdom or anything. They themselves through their curiosity, will discover more. And we as teachers or educators are there to help guide them towards that and retell those stories. So it's like, it's pedagogical education. Yes. So it's like the teacher's role is less telling them something and more giving them a language to interpret their own learning and retell their stories and hopefully build on their own discoveries. Yes. And help encourage them to discover more. It's like encouragement. It's not, I don't know. It's really fascinating and Guiding, so fun. encouraging, coming alongside. And it's uh, a core part of it is being really a reciprocal relationship. So in the classroom, teachers oh. aren't valued as having more to say than the kids. And in terms of decision making, like if we go on a walk, if we want to, if we as teachers are like, should we go further or not? We'll then look to the kids and say, okay, who wants to go further? Who wants to go not and take a vote? It's That's not, profound. it's not us deciding what we're doing, but it's having a discussion about it and 
we go on really far walks with really young kids sometimes because they're just having so much fun we and want to keep we're going. Go. Let me let me just I, I want to say a side note to this because yeah. this again comes with parenting, uh, teaching, youth pastoring, being a parent, being mm-hmm. an adult. It's this idea of essentially your kids are going to model what they're being shown. Mm-hmm. So. If you're a teacher or a parent that says, I'm in charge, I take control, I do it my way. Hmm. Okay, well, maybe what you think in your head is you're going to get a subservient, obeying, docile kind kid. I don't know what you mm-hmm. think you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Essentially, what you're going to get mostly is another kid that just wants to be in control and have, hmm. have hmm. everything under their power. Hmm. So I love that. Like... Uh, what you're modeling and what feels probably very weird to a lot of people is I'm modeling sharing mm-hmm. and being open and not being in control and being curious mm-hmm. and being part of the community. That's what I'm modeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have the, you know, privilege. Privilege, and authority privilege is that. the word yeah. I always think of. Or it's, it's the right use of power. Hmm. You're using your power to say, we're going to listen to the whole group here. Everybody. Hmm. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is what it's all about. It's really, I feel very Ooh. like honored, honestly, to have found A, this preschool, but B, to work with kids and just be around them every day. I feel hmm. they're such special humans. I get, um, I yeah, learned so very much from them. obviously enamored with these kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really live into the preschool teacher vibe. Yeah. I love being a preschool teacher. And this, um, Okay, I'm just going to read this poem now. Oh, yeah, please read the poem. Okay, so that's kind of Reggio, but I also think in terms of age and wisdom, I have learned so much in the sense of, we talked about this, but this idea of these children have so much to say, Mm -hmm. and how can we listen better to what Mm -hmm. they have to say? And so part of the model of Reggio is this idea of children having 100 languages and them communicating with the world through so many different mediums, including artwork in their hands and the music they make and all of these things. And they're taught to push those aside. And there's one way to do things, but the child is resilient and the child will continue to use these languages because it's how they communicate with the world and learn. So here's this poem that kind of encapsulates the Reggio model. And it's written by the person who's kind of considered the founder, uh, Loris Malaguzzi. No way. The hundred is there. The child is made of one hundred. The child has a hundred languages, a hundred hands, a hundred thoughts, a hundred ways of thinking, of playing, of speaking. A hundred, always a hundred ways of listening, of marveling, of loving, a hundred joys for singing and understanding, a hundred worlds to discover, a hundred worlds to invent, a hundred worlds to dream. The child has a hundred languages and a hundred, hundred, hundred more. But they steal 99, the school and the culture, separate the, body from the bo- separate the head from the body. They tell the child to think without hands, to do without head, to listen and not to speak, to understand without joy. To love and to marvel, they tell the child, to discover the, to discover the world already there. And of the hundred, they steal 99. They tell the child that work and play, reality and fantasy, Science and imagination, sky and earth, 
reason and dream are things that do not belong together. And thus they tell the child that the hundred is not there. The child says, no way. The hundred is there. Woo. Oh. There it is. And I think it would get many people in touch with their own. It does for me. The way my my own curiosity was robbed or stolen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, to a certain extent, I mean, you could even say this podcast is about sort of trying to rediscover that and mm-hmm. reclaim it. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's so weird, isn't it, when you think about it? Because I think one of my biggest revelations as an adult is science. Hmm. Now, I'm not a scientist, but, but science is a concept. Hmm. It's It's a philosophy, so to speak. I mean, it's like... It's a method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not um, beakers and chemistry. That's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah. Chemistry science is, is so science, much more but than science that. is a way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. All I knew about science was, it's biology, and it's this. It's this presentation on mitochondria. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's <laughs> like that's not. That's part of. As a. As a teeny little ounce of like what's a part of what science has discovered essentially mm-hmm. science has discovered science discovery yeah um and sci- science has discovered mitochondria <laughs> in yeah. a cell yeah you know but like cells aren't science <laughs> science right, discovered right. cells i was not just dis- i was not taught this broad sense of like what mm. science is it was mm. it was divided up and chopped up into like uh, a topic that you could sign up for it in school, you mm. know, and it's like, oh, oh, what a weird concept. It it's is. so sad. Yeah, social it takes studies, away the, the like beauty of math, it and you know, the yeah, complexity of it. Yeah, hmm. wow, 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 a hundred different languages. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's so a, oh, go for it. Well, well, I'll just say what it sounds like to me. What I would love for you, for you if you were willing to to just kind of going with that poem yeah the way it sounds like teachers are trained and you're 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 being trained like this too yeah i'm just a baby learner here to essentially so in in light of that poem Mm -hmm. there is no boxed up curriculum that's handed to regio teachers no what is the curriculum the curriculum is from my understanding because i don't do curriculum i just kind of witness it in a sense um you're an up-and-comer. I'm an up-and-comer. So the teachers have, like, team meets once a week where they discuss what's going on in the classroom. And I've been in a few for mm-hmm. the Rainbow Room, which mm-hmm. is, like, my... I love the Rainbow Room. <laughs> um, and essentially, they discuss what's going on in the class and try and plan ways to better support and advocate for the children and talk about things they're noticing. Oh, mm-hmm. this kid's having these kinds of emotions. What can we do? What kind of books can we bring in? Like, what activities would be helpful for them to process this? Not... Not, oh, they need to know this book. We got to get that book going. They, no. they, they haven't memorized it yet. They haven't learned it yet. Keep going with that one book. It's more meant to hopefully... So teacher's role is essentially to observe and notice the discoveries that kids are making. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the classroom, your role is to be curious with kids and come alongside them, but also allow them to have a lot of free space to discover. Mm. And as teacher, your role is to observe and then hopefully create opportunities for them to uh, press further into the things that they were wondering about and curious about. 
So if a kid is enjoying doing a certain kind of painting, the next day you might set up painting, but with a different material Mm -hmm. and like leave that out and not tell the kid that they have to go do that, but that's open. And so you create these open long spaces for kids to then go and follow their curiosity. And through that, they discover more. And in the discovery, they get excited and want to keep learning. It's very cool. Um, And then the teachers reflect back and tell stories. So all the kids have like journals that they can read at any time. And they have learning stories, basically, that tell like, I noticed you doing this. And here's a picture of you doing this. That sounds like too (laughs) good to be true. (laughs) I know. It's like, what? This exists? It's so epic. Um, I didn't... This is like how Learning my journals, friend Shelby they had talked about back <laughs> teachers that are actually engaging. You it's know what I mean? So this is special. This, this coincides so perfectly with mm-hmm. what we're talking about. I know. And it's really helped me to, I learned so much in terms of how I can cultivate and be a better observer. And they always talk about it in terms of like, you know, just adding stuff to your tool belt of working with kids mm. of how, because working with kids, we are, you know, guiding, but we're also helping them to regulate and they're human. They're these baby humans, literally who have, they're trying to figure out their bodily functions. They're trying to figure out emotions, how to interact, friendship, relationships, all of these things. And our role is to see them as capable of figuring it out, but also provide safe environments where they feel trusted and comfy. 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 The rooms are meant to be really comfy. Mm. Um, Their artwork is everywhere. But it's also meant to be organized and neat. It's mm. not just like messy and sloppy. Yeah. It's there are spaces for things and places for things, but there's long ended areas for curiosity. Wow. There's a little bit of Reggio. Well, another thing I would love for you to say just a little bit more about is this idea of like reciprocal back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's it is, it is essentially saying the teacher's also learning and growing and Mm -hmm. there's an interplay of sorts. Yeah, so often, like even at the end of a learning story, it'll be like, I noticed this. Mm -hmm. Like, why did you do this? I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Like trying to learn alongside what these kids are growing in. Yes. Um, I don't know. I find myself learning from them so much in terms of the questions they ask. Yes. Um, the questions they ask. We were talking about this earlier, but we'll read a story and they have all these different thoughts and kids have a unique, beautiful ability of they're a bit raw. They're not afraid of asking all the yeah. things. So yeah. they'll say really messy questions. Mm-hmm. Um, they also Hilltop does anti-bias curriculum, which means we're Mm. really intentional Mm. in terms of the kinds of books that we have and just the way we are trying to help kids have a sense of identity. A resource to post on our show notes. Was that that a co-teacher of yours, right? Yeah, there's a one teacher. uh, That that created a whole list of, of library books that fit We're under this education for anti-bias education for for preschoolers everybody okay so let me just can't start this. too early <laughs> their wish is to this is what they talk about in terms of the anti-bias their wish is to nurture within each child a disposition to speak for peace tolerance and justice in our classrooms and programs we are pursuing the four core goals of anti-bias education each child will demonst- demonstrate self-awareness confidence family pride and positive social 
identities. Each child will express comfort and joy with human diversity, accurate language for human differences, and deep, caring human connections. Each child will increasingly recognize unfairness, have language to describe unfairness, and understand that unfairness hurts. And each child will demonstrate empowerment and the skills to act when others or alone against prejudice and or discriminatory actions. Was this being taught at your schools? <laughs> every listeners? No, it no, wasn't. I can't it's not being taught at mine. I mine. loved preschool. However, I the was really was nervous about it and I became attached to one of the preschool teachers. Mm-hmm. Very typical Mason. Wow. Very typical. Yeah. <laughs> um, a nervous amazing. young child. That'd be a good episode by the way. Someday is bias. Bias. Oh, that would be an interesting episode. Um, Yeah, I feel really lucky to have landed Mm. at this special place. I don't know how long I'll be there, but I'm learning so much and inspired so much. Yeah, I'm I'm learning a lot through you. It's really really strange in just the whole big picture mm -hmm. how this all, I don't know, it all fits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like Enneagram, <laughs> Reggio. And then I think about like our Ted Klontz interview yeah. and loving yourself. It all comes together, especially, oh, I was think, reading about the Enneagram. What was it called? Your inner child, something like that. Yeah. How the Enneagram. I mean, I truly do think a part of the Enneagram work is restoring yourself to your childhood freedom or like ability to have find your inner light. And being around these kids, it's you see both glimpses of a child being pure and carefree and it's gives you permission to do the same. But then you also see moments of like, oh, my gosh, an ego thing is happening. I see them getting defensive. You can see you you can observe, you know, these children that hurt. This is an experience now and they act differently in the next situation. Oh boy! Oh, so much to learn and grow. But you've from. also been trained to notice it. Some trying people wouldn't to. even know. I'm trying to. I mean, they allow for space to yeah. do that. Wow! Kind of our job. Oh my goodness! It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to check in with you in the next in the months ahead the about months what ahead. you're continuing to learn. Yeah, yeah. I do still feel. I think I'll always feel like a baby learner. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? May, yeah, you don't know. Yeah. What will 30-year-old Macy say? Who knows? Do you still feel like a baby learner? Baby learner. I mean, maybe what we should be saying is we should try to get into a headspace where we feel like a baby learner. Yeah, maybe. And maybe it's sad that we come to a place in our lives where we don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. The innocence. Yeah. I would encourage and invite listeners to... when Because mo- most people interact with kids, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm a person who doesn't have kids of my own. I'm not a parent, but mm-hmm. I interact with kids a lot, regardless of my job. Maybe just to, um, I don't know, open your eyes and observe what they're learning. Yeah. You know, see, observe their play, be inspired yeah. by their playing. Yes. Um, yes. I think we have a lot to learn in terms of the way kids play and they give themselves permission to follow their curiosities and they find joy in that. And I think we, if we were all doing that a bit more, I think we would be happier and more productive. All, all amen and yes, a hundred percent. And also uh, uh, better friends, better yeah. husbands and wives, better partners, better mm-hmm. everything. When we're thriving, when we're indulging in our core selves, mm-hmm. we are, we are more fun and more whole to be around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, yeah. it benefits everybody. It, benefits, it seems to benefit everybody. Yeah, I can't think of. <laughs> uh, gosh, it sounds so great. It does. We're talking about a fantasy world. Here. We are. That's that's <laughs> where another kids thing. are really honored. That's that's we're talking about a fantasy world where kids are honored and respected and treasured. Ugh. That's what we're advocating. And their for. imagination is uh, heightened. And yeah, I don't know. Now I'm talking to as a, as a parent. This is something to aim for, like because of our own backgrounds and our own baggage and our own strange history of our own parenting. Mm-hmm. We don't do the things we want to do. I mean, I I I just be the first person to admit I'm sitting here talking about this in a way that sounds so sweet to me, and I'll go home and not do it because mm-hmm. it's not my habit, mm-hmm. and you don't get any training. To yeah. be a parent. Anybody can just be a parent. It's crazy. Go ahead and be a parent. Oh, do, you we need a, about that. do you need a degree? Nope. <laughs> anyone can have a kid. It's so much responsibility. Uh, think about how much training you need to be a teacher or a nurse or a doctor. Be a parent? Nope. Do you, anybody. Anyone. It's your right, which I think is We need to, we need true, to talk to each other and ask for help yes, in this. Yes. That's, that's another hard. thing, too, um, to continue. The Reggio Approach talks a lot about the community and other people being so much a part of a kid's learning environment. The community. It's not just about you as parents, but ask other people. The mm. community of people around your kids matters. Yes, And absolutely. invite other people to be mentors in their lives. <sighs> Children. And, and I do think older people who maybe if you're not around kids, mm-hmm. what can you do to be around kids more in terms of what... Do they have to teach you? Find a safe, healthy place yeah. to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think that it's can be a really mutually beneficial, beautiful yeah, it thing. It can. It can. It can. Absolutely. Wow. I sense an age of wisdom three on the horizon someday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there it is. That's our content for the night. If you want to, if you want, like Macy and I both like to end on something a little bit more, uh, poetic and inspirational yeah so that's what we're about to try to do but if you've had enough you're like okay got it got the content got the regio <laughs> got the sermon checking out go ahead but if you want to come back for the final yeah because what i'm reading poems, is very poetic the benedictions the final thoughts uh stick around that's coming up next sentimental about this topic <laughs> and emotional we, we care about this topic we both really are passionate tell. it's a part of who we are that we care about kids and youth yes i can't deny it okay <laughs> so i am reading this i read this i watched a youtube video and a person was recording it and it was really sappy with sappy music when i first <laughs> listened to it but it's a quote from alan watts who is a philosopher and like a buddhist philosopher wow. from britain um and I think this was probably written somewhere in the late 1950s. Okay. And it's his reflection called Wisdom of Youth. 
Oh boy, I'm and excited for this. I was getting really emotional I bet. listening to it. So I'm going to share it with y'all. Okay. Wisdom of youth. All energies of life have in them a possibility of an excess of going too far. When you bring up your children and you tell them your various far out ideas and the children suddenly believe in them, I'm horrified. I think, oh my God, what will they do next? But every, everybody feels that way in regard to the strength of the younger generation that is coming on. Because mm. this younger generation is huge. When we think about young people, we have terrible ideas. We think that we know what life is and what they have to be told and they will learn it from us and be like us. We don't take the attitude when we see the new vegetables come up in the spring. We don't say the vegetables have to be educated to be vegetables. We say, hooray, at last, young vegetables with all the life and energy in them. New meals for everything. So when we see young people come up, we might say, good gracious, isn't this great? To see the human race is still doing its stuff. I wonder what they'll have to teach us. Because wisdom doesn't come from above down. It comes from below up. That's where the wisdom is, surging into us. The old people, they have a function, but they have it in order to fulfill that function. They, they, have, they have to understand first that they can learn from the young sources. If they understand that, then they can be wise and be teachers. If they don't understand that, they never can. To be wise, you have to, that's the meaning of the saying, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become again as a child. From the, parent, from the child's point of view, the things which the adult considers irrelevant to survival are perfectly important. And so children collect pebbles and colored glass and all sorts of trivia, which they consider as precious as diamonds. The adults say, oh, puffed, frippery, but they really have the secret. Now the child, as a child, doesn't know how to play the adult's game. It's a power game. And so that has to be educated to learn the values of the power game, to learn what's what and what is important. But when they have mastered that game, they realize it has no rewards, that all the things that the adults thought they were gaining by their power game are, after all, not worth having, which is why you can be rich and miserable. So that having learned and having seen through the adult's power, we come back to the point of a child. So good. There's a little reflection on the wisdom of youth. Final thoughts. Okay, so that's one. That's a that's big one. reading. One little benediction. So you're getting a two for tonight. Gosh, I just love that. So children collect pebbles and colored glass and all sorts of trivia, which they consider as precious as diamonds. Yes. And so should we. Yeah, it is precious stuff. Mm. Gosh, their discoveries, their stories. Actually, I hope you send that to me. I might want to use that. We'll see. We'll see. It's good. <laughs> okay, so my little concluding thing is from Mary Poppins, everybody. Oh, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> the other night, Scott, after the last recording, mm-hmm. Scott read a Mary Poppins chapter, and it was so profound. <laughs> I, I, I referenced it to Marissa. I said, I read a chapter from Mary Poppins. She goes, John and Barbara. I was like, <laughs> yeah, so it was John and Barbara, because she knows I love that. It's so good. <laughs> it was so good. I thought about it so much. <laughs> so this is from, this is a similar thing. Essentially, John and Barbara... Um, they're babies in the first Mary Poppins book and they have a connection to the sun and the wind and their essential nature, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, it's beautiful. Th- th- it happens again in the second book called Mary Poppins Comes Back. And now there's a new baby called Annabelle. And what 
happens here is Annabelle can talk to the birds. So there's a starling and a fledgling who is the starling's uh, son, essentially. And they're sitting on the windowsill and Annabelle is just a newborn and, and Annabelle can talk to these birds. And I'm not going to explain Mary Poppins to you, but Mary Poppins is also sitting there. So Mary Poppins can talk to Annabelle and Mary Poppins can talk to the birds. So Annabelle is about is saying to these birds, uh, I came from somewhere really special. Mm-hmm. And the birds mm-hmm. are saying, tell us. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. So uh, this, is, this is short, but it's, it'll be our concluding little part tonight. But it says, Annabelle moved her hands inside the blanket. Annabelle says, I am earth and air and fire and water, she said softly. I come from the dark where all things have their beginning. Ah, such dark, said the starling softly, bending his head to his breast. It was dark inside the egg, too, said the fledgling. I come from the sea and its tides, Annabelle went on. I come from the sky and its stars. I come from the sun and its brightness. Ah, so bright, said the starling, nodding. And I come from the forests of the earth. As if in a dream, Mary Poppins rocked the cradle to and fro, and to and fro with a steady swinging movement. Yes, whispered the fledgling. Slowly I moved at first, said Annabelle always sleeping and dreaming. I remembered all that I had been and thought and all that I shall be. And when I had dreamed my dream, I awoke and I came swiftly. She paused for a moment, her blue eyes full of memories. And then, prompted the fledgling, then I heard the stars singing and I came and I felt warm wings about me. I passed the beasts of the jungle and came through the dark, deep waters. It was a long journey. Annabelle was silent. The fledgling stared at her with his bright, inquisitive eyes. Mary Poppins lay quietly on the side of the cradle. She had stopped rocking. A long journey indeed, said the starling, softly lifting his head from his breast. And ah, soon forgotten. Annabelle stirred under the quilt. No, she said confidently. I'll never forget. Stuff and nonsense. Beaks and claws. Of course you will. By the time the week's out, you won't remember a word of it. What you are, where you came from. Inside her flannel petticoat, Annabelle was kicking furiously. I will, I will. How could I forget? Because they all do, jeered the starling harshly. Every silly human except, he nodded his head at Mary Poppins, her. She's different. She's the oddity. She's the misfit. (laughs) Goodbye. We should all be a little bit like Mary Poppins. (laughs) We'll be the oddities and misfits. That's our episode for the night, everyone. Age and Wisdom Part 2. We'll Maybe there'll be a Part 3. We'll next week for uh, Enneagram 6. Enneagram 6 next week. Get excited. Get Everybody excited. start studying with us. Oh, We're all going to start studying. Study. We got sentimental this week, we and did. now it's time to study. <laughs> <laughs> time to study Enneagram 6s. All right, we'll see you all later. Goodbye. <laughs>